Welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Thank you guys for tuning in to another music edition of the podcast. This is a continuation of the rock concert reviews and recaps of the last 10 years series. I've been quite having quite a good time with these and seems that people have been really, really enjoying them. Join me recapping my previous decade in review for concerts. Given the fact that there are no concerts to attend to for the remainder of 2020 due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Very unfortunate, but it is what it is. And we just have to go ahead and deal with this because there ain't no, <laughs> there ain't no going back. Of course, a pre-COVID-19 pandemic world was what we once knew. Now we're living in a post-virus uh, world, if you could say. Nevertheless, it's it's been a it's been a pretty good week for me. It's been quite the busy day as I'm recording this in between working from home, still in between taking online bass lessons still I might I might do a short podcast on that in the future just to to detail the progression that I've that I've been uh, ongoing with on the bass for the time being but like I said for the time being it's been fairly nuts and I try to record one of these episodes just to kind of keep it fresh maybe about a day or two before release date it just keeps me I don't know it just keeps the content fairly fairly new instead of dated given the fact that it is a series of reviews I I can really just try to bank a bunch of these and just release them as I go but I feel like I don't know, it just feels feels very stale if I do that. I'd rather just keep it keep it going. I'm ranting now. On the last episode, we covered or I covered the year twelve see I can't even I can't even talk. <laughs> Weekend's coming up, I need a break. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of talking in the last few days between phone calls and whatnot. On the previous episode, I covered the year 2012. Going into this episode, we are covering 2013. And I have listed four shows that I went to in 2013. The first one starting with Black Sabbath. At the pavilion in in the woodlands. This concert took place Thursday, July 25, 2013. Hell, we're almost, let's see, about seven years removed from this concert. Was that seven or eight? Not seven. I can't even do the math. This was the first time for me seeing Sabbath in concert. Haven't been a huge fan of the band for as long as I can remember. 
and growing up being a kid. Not very, I guess you could say it was an interesting time for me growing up in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. Not a fun time for rock and metal. You had all these offshoot brands of metal coming out, new metal, which at the time was, it was cool. Coming off of a post-grunge world, then you throw into, you add into the mix all these pop artists that were dominating the charts by then. Uh, but not necessarily cool going into a a post-grunge world because you're coming off of Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. All of those bands are almost now defunct. Alice in Chains still tours with a new singer. Pearl Jam still has their core band members. STP, you know, they revived the band with a new singer after, uh, what's the guy's name, passed away. Oh, I'm blanking out on his name right now. I know people are screaming it at their, at the top of their lungs right now. What is the guy's name from Stone Temple Pilots? I should know this. God, it's just it's just gonna drive drive me nuts. I know the guy's name. Scott Weiland. There we go. I don't know why I didn't remember that. He's since then passed away, and so is Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Nirvana, I forgot Nirvana. And Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Nevertheless, growing up listening to Sabbath. I grew up listening to a cassette that my dad had. Still has to this day. On side one, you had Paranoid. And side two was Heaven and Hell. That's how I initially discovered the band. If you ask me which side I'd prefer, I mean, it's two different albums with two different singers. You have Paranoid with Ozzy Osbourne and and you have Heaven and Hell with Ronnie James Dio. It's tough. It's a tough decision. Two different singers. I feel two different bands. Two different styles. Nonetheless, Sabbath was, you know, I grew up with both versions of the band. And the Aussie version of Sabbath was more uh, coming off from 1970 all through the 70s of course it was more based off of a riff and then a melody line that Ozzy would contribute to and you have Geezer on bass and Bill Ward on drums add a lot of drugs in the mix and you have Sabbath <laughs> mainly cocaine so seeing these guys for the first time in 2013 this was coming off of their latest album at the time 13 which was the first album that shot to number one on billboard for and this was for the first time ever for the band in at the time 40 years and this this concert tour received a lot of praise and 
initially sold out fairly quickly. I got so lucky that I was able to get concert tickets at that time because this was the first time these guys toured with the original lineup since... So for the album, a little backstory, for the album 13 was the first album that they recorded with the original lineup since 1979. The last album they did with the classic Sabbath lineup was Never Say Die in 70... Was it 78 or 79? Let me look that up real quick. Then I can do a whole... A whole nother show on just breaking down every Sabbath album. My favorites. Because then you're you're spinning off into different offshoots of the band with Ian Gillen from Deep Purple and Glenn Hughes, Tony Martin. Let's see. Sabbath. The last one was Never Say Die in... What year was this? Come on. 78. This was when they had toured with Van Halen. So they're coming off of that. So between 78 and 2013, that's... 30... Let's see. Again, horrible with math. 35 years since they had done a new album. And if we're being technical about it, you can't really say it's all four original members because it was only it was only Ozzy Osbourne, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and on drums, they didn't even have Bill Ward for this new 13 album. They excluded him because... It was a quote-unquote contractual dispute, you know. You have this rich band-slash-money problems <laughs> that almost nobody has other than them. And was therefore excluded. And so they brought in Brad Wilk to to do the drums on on 13 from Rage Against the Machine. Produced by Rick Rubin, engineered by Greg Fiddleman. <laughs> Oddly enough, they had Tommy Clefitos from Ozzy's solo band to perform drums on this tour, and eventually became Sabbath's touring drummer up until the end. If I remember correctly, I went to the show with my buddy Randy and my family. And it was a very, very hot evening. I remember being drenched in sweat once the concert was over. Because mind you, this is at the pavilion. And we had reserved seats for the show. It was as hot as it is now. I mean, we're in the middle of July. So, you can imagine that. Overall, it was a great show. If I remember correctly, he had... I think they had Andrew W.K. as an opening act. 
wasn't too familiar with him at the time, but he was just spinning records and trying to get the crowd pumped up. And, I mean, Sabbath is flawless. You have a young drummer in Tommy Clefitos. And, of course, you have the core, the core rhythm section. You have Geezer on bass, which is probably one of the, one of the best bass players out there. And then you have Tony Iommi. I mean, she my one of my main inspirations for guitar playing. Hence why I still, <laughs> hence why I have a an SG for a guitar in black, no less. <laughs> Ozzy, Ozzy did pretty good. He was Ozzy, and I could see the toll that the heat took on him as the concert went on because towards the end he was just not in key and he's always gotten a lot of flack for his singing as as he's gotten older but you know the drugs and the alcohol take its toll especially if you're a singer and being on the road for so long he loves being on the road but that road life will take its toll and if you're not if you're not prepared if you don't take care of yourself it's going to show Sabbath at the Woodlands, by far one of the best shows I've seen out there. A mix of greatest hits and a mix of some of the new stuff that they were playing on 13. About two months later, I end up going to see Fozzie yet again. And for the first time, Saxon headlining. This concert was at the House of Blues downtown. It took place Saturday, September 28, 2013. Very, very cool show. Very interesting. I went to this show with my buddy Adrian. Shout out to my buddy Adrian for coming to the show with me. <laughs> very, very interesting show because we ended up doing the VIP package for the first time where we actually got to meet the band and take pictures and whatnot, get stuff signed. I can't remember what I what I got signed. I know we had done a meet and greet also with Chris Jericho earlier that day. Again, Jericho being a cool probably one of the coolest guys out there. So we did that. We did the VIP package for that. Very convenient because this was at the House of Blues, not too far from the area that we both live in. I'd say we're, I'd say he's probably closer than, than I am to downtown. He's probably closer, maybe about 10 more minutes. Second time seeing Fozzie perform indoor venue, we were able to have a really really good view of the show we were at the literally at the front row in the front railing so Fozzie doing their thing Saxon man Saxon is one of those hugely underrated new wave of British heavy metal bands to come out of the 70s 
never got the recognition that they that they really really deserved and they kind of dropped off the map for a good while i know they went through a period where they were they went from being a new wave of british heavy metal band to kind of falling into that glam type of style that was going on in the 80s and of course they saw a decline of their own fan base between like the late 80s and the early 90s and of course they come back to a heavier sound in the mid 90s to early 2000s you know again post grunge then they really really had a huge resurgence in 2011 I released a couple more new which I've enjoyed actually and have have eventually seen the band for a second time of course that'll be reviewed for a later episode you have newer albums like Call to Arms, Sacrifice, Battery Ram, Thunderbolt I think all of them almost produced by Andy Sneap I think. Except for Call to Arms. But Andy Sneap, it kind kind of given them a more... Still retaining that new wave of British heavy metal style, but with a more modern sound. That's what Andy Sneap has been able to do with all these established bands. And I think we could do a whole episode on Andy Sneap also (laughs) on everything that he's done for metal because I know he's done work for if we're going from latest to earliest it's probably like John Petrucci Testament, Killswitch Engage Overkill Judas Priest, Accept Fear Factory The Ronnie James Dio tribute album, Slayer, Megadeth, Annihilator. He even plays with Judas Priest as a second guitarist. So Saxon, again, it was my first time seeing them. Had already had known a bunch of their songs, Denim and Leather. Dallas 1 p.m. Pride and Glory. The Wheels of Steel. I mean, just just classic Strong Armor the Law. Heavy Metal Thunder. 20,000 Feet. I mean, that's just... Dallas 1 p.m. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting song about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Hence the term Dallas 1 p.m. If you didn't know. Nonetheless, Saxon and Fozzie, a great bill. Very strong bill. Remember noting that Biff Byford, the vocalist for Saxon, had mentioned that the first time they played in Houston was with uh, when they were touring with Iron Maiden at the time. Maybe like in 80 or 81. 
man, to have seen all those early shows from back then. Seen a band in, <laughs> at their start. But, you know, as the years go on, you either get better or you just kind of drop off the map. And luckily, with a lot of these bands, they've remained consistent and have gotten a lot better. The next show that I went to took place November 12, 2013. Now we're getting into a, a much colder weather. This one was also very, very, very peculiar because this was a last-minute concert. This one took place at Bayou Music Center, which has been since renamed Revention Music Center. I don't know why they keep renaming these centers. Again, next to the Hard Rock Cafe, across from the, what is that, where the Sam Houston Coliseum used to be at. For this show, I went to go see Slayer and Gojira. I forget who the opening band was. I think it was Havoc or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, very, very last minute show. I say that because... There had been a, there was somebody had, I don't remember who it was. They were doing like a contest on Twitter or Facebook. Either one, I can't remember. Where they were giving away free tickets to go see Slayer and Gojira. And luckily enough, my name came out in the, in the contest and I won the contest. They had two tickets for me. I said, man. How odd, I just kind of threw my name out there and I ended up winning. So at the time I was still in college. I think I might have been still or I don't know if I was already off or I don't know what the deal was. But given that this was on a Tuesday, I said, you know what, this is last minute. Let's go to the show, why not? Called my buddy Randy and Asked him if he was down to go. I had a free ticket. He said, sure, why not? Let's go. So we ended up going and were able to catch Gojira and Slayer at the very front row. If you've ever been to a Slayer show, you know what I'm talking about. I've seen these guys multiple times and man, I was so lucky to be. And the section where I was was like at the front, but to the far left, closer to the speakers. My God, seeing these guys start mosh pits next to me man that was the last thing i wanted to be involved in i never heard of gojira i had heard of gojira but never listened to him before as of late i've slowly starting to check them out thanks to my brother he's a huge fan they were tremendously heavy and by the time slayer came on my god it's like how do you follow gojira well you put slayer next to him <laughs> for this tour slayer it was the first time seeing slayer for me they were doing the they were doing this tour where they were just playing everything from the first album up until i think seasons of the abyss or seasons in the abyss what the hell now i'm blanking out on them too been to too many shows. I've listened to so many bands. 
I have so many songs. I tend to forget one or two every now and then. Seasons in the Abyss. Yes. Yeah, they only played... They only played... Songs from Show No Mercy, Hello Waits, Rain and Blood, South of Heaven, and Seasons in the Abyss. So from 83 to 90, it was kind of like a celebration of old school stuff. They left out everything from 94 forward, which I thought was, was pretty pretty cool. Later on, of course, and I would see them two more times, they've played a lot more variety of songs. A lot, a lot of new stuff, a lot of um, underrated stuff. So, hey, a free show. One of many that I would go to. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was a good, uh, it was well worth going to school the next day and, you know, saying to my ex, hey, I went to go see Slayer last night. <laughs> a really, really cool lineup at the time they had. I think it was still Tom Araya, Kerry King, and Gary Holt from Exodus on guitar. Jeff Hanneman had recently passed away, I think that summer. And uh, was it Paul Bostaff on drums? Or Dave Lombardo? Was he still in that band by that time? Or was he gone already? No, Lombardo was already gone. So they had brought in Paul Bostaff on drums. So yeah. Literally a month later, I went to go see Megadeth for the second time. This was a huge upgrade for me. <laughs> because this time I was also able to snatch a front row, literally the same spot where I saw Slayer. I watched Megadeth. And I have two really cool photos saved on one of my flash drives that I've been meaning to print out and have signed by the, by these bands. I haven't been able to for for some reason, but I took these two photos with my iPhone and was able to place a cool filter on them, which makes them look really, really cool. Eventually, I'm going to print those out and have those uh, signed and framed by the band if I can. But I saw Megadeth that they were supporting the... Uh, what album was this? 2013, so this had to be Super Collider that they had put out at the time. And at the time, I think my my brother was still in high school. Because I remember I remember picking him up from, I think it was his last day of school for high school. I remember picking him up and having the album already. I think I had my dad's truck at the time because it was, I think I did. I had it, I bought it on CD and I was playing it on the way home after I picked them up. So they were in support of that album. This was December 12, 2013. So... I think that was maybe about a week or two before I left to Mexico for vacation. Man, I remember I was I was so sick when I went to go see them. I think I was already sick 
or was getting sick because I just didn't feel I didn't feel good. It was right around the time it was really cold and I think that's what got me. I had just started my allergy treatment also, I think. So I was just getting on top of that. And man, I remember being so sick, but it was well worth it. I didn't have COVID then. I don't know. I don't think that was a thing then. <laughs> it was just a really bad sore throat. Eventually I took care of it. But again, really, really good show. I've got some really good videos of being in the front row, seeing Megadeth. Really, really good show. And of course, a mix of old and new. Really sucks that they only played one new song out of that whole album, which was really, really not well received among Megadeth fans. I tend to enjoy it and revisit it from time to time. Very experimental album. But that was a really cool show and I was really, really fortunate to have seen those two back to back, literally a month removed from each other in the same spot, which will probably never, never, ever, ever be replicated again. So there you have it. The 2013 year in review for concerts is knocked out. So again, if you guys enjoy listening to what I've been putting out as of late, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Just search in the Hangout Podcast with Juan Hernandez. Feel free to follow me on social media at Juan underscore A underscore H on Twitter. It's where I'm most active. A lot of this stuff goes out on my Instagram and Facebook too. So if you follow me there, that's great. If not, request to follow me. But I think those pages are still private for the time being. So feel free to follow me on Twitter because that's where I do most of my, uh, get most of my information and where I'm most active. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And I really hope you're enjoying this series too. We got a lot more episodes to go. For the time that we are not attending shows. And it's ultimately going to culminate. <laughs> for 2020. I think I only went to. Man how many shows did I go to, to 2020. Maybe just one show. Yeah I think it was just one show. Anyways. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time.